All right. Hey, guys, what's up? It's good to be back in Virginia. Um, although it was also nice to be out in Salt Lake City, I'm just getting back from the Western Hunt Expo out there in Salt Lake City. And if you've never been before, you know, I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, it is, you know, a bit of a haul out there if you're from the East Coast, but even if you're a little closer to there or if you live out West, it's definitely worth it. But it's really cool for me getting a chance to go out there, um, mainly because, you know, I spent this last year podcasting and meeting folks, you know, via Zoom, you know, in the hunting industry and to be able to just, um, just go around and meet everybody in person and shake hands and kind of see everybody in person for the first time was really cool. Um, I literally was running all around that place. It's a huge convention center, but I looked at my phone after the first day of being there. I literally put on eight miles just walking around the convention center, talking and meeting, you know, talking to and meeting everyone I could. Um, so it was really cool. Also, you know, just, you know, here in Virginia, I can't just go down the street to a store and check out, you know, a really nice pair of hunting boots or a hunting pack um, or, you know, really any of this, this gear, get my hands on a, a really nice rifle. Um, you know, there's not, there's just not that much opportunity for that kind of stuff around here. So, uh, and there's a couple of, you know, bigger gear items that I needed to kind of add to my, um, to my repertoire, you know, before this season starts. So to be able to go out there and kind of get my hands on and really just compare all different types of packs, and shelters. Uh, I looked at some rifles and talked to the people who work there and stuff. Um, just really cool and you know, um, really valuable if you're in the market for some bigger gear items. That you know, it's just really helpful to be able to try stuff on, to look at it, to feel it, to touch it, to compare it to other manufacturers, to talk to the people that make them and design them. So that was really awesome. Um, you know, I, I looked at some really cool stuff from Seek Outside, their shelters, their stoves. Um, initial ascent. Um, I was actually, I was, I gotta say, I was very impressed with the initial ascent pack frame. Um, you know, the guys put it on my back and with weight and they were like, you know, how much weight you think that is? And I thought it was like 35 pounds. I was like, yeah, 35. And they're like, yeah, it's 65. And they handed it to me. And I was like, whoa. So like, um, it, it carries a load incredibly well. I'm still waiting. Um, hopefully at some point they're going to release a little bit um, bigger pack for me for some of my longer 10 day hunts and stuff. But, um, anyway, you know, seek outside also makes some really great packs that are coming out. Um, I looked at stone glacier packs. Um, I looked at rifles from, you know, Nosler all the way to Browning Seekins precision. Um, you know, I'm looking to probably add a 30 caliber to my lineup for this elk tag I got this year and other hunts coming up. So, Anyway, I just got a chance to really check out a lot of different brands and see some cool stuff and meet some really great folks. So um, the second day of the show, I did record some podcasts, um, and this episode is going to be kind of a mashup of a few of uh, the conversations I had. And, um, you know, go, to be honest, podcasting was not my number one goal of going out there to the show. My goal mainly was really just to get my face out there, meet people. Um, shake some hands, you know, do some networking. But on the second day, I did have some time to record a few podcasts. And um, so the first one is actually with me and Guy from Western Contours podcast, where he's actually interviewing me. And um, it, the episode ran on his podcast, but I figured I'll just, you know, put it out here on mine as well. 
Um, so you can hear that. And then I have a conversation with Brady and Trail from Go Hunt about um, some of their new mapping software that's really cool. Um, then I talked to, I met these two guys from Canada who run a YouTube channel called Alpine Carnivore. And they're doing some really good stuff. Um, they're kind of all in uh, to the filmmaking side of things. Uh, really good hunters, really cool, nice guys as well. And they had a crazy season. Um, yeah, he's almost finished a sheep slam. Um, so it, they're, they're cool guys. So I caught up with them a little bit. Let's see. Then I caught up with uh, Joe and Dennis from Initial Ascent. Um, again, just really great guys, um, kind of salt of the earth, um, you know, buddies that met in church and started designing packs. And um, again, I was really impressed with their pack frame system. So that's a cool conversation. I'm going to have them back on for a longer episode later, but this is just a little teaser. Um, and then I had a nice, pretty decent long conversation with Mark Livesey from Treeline Pursuits. Um, I got to spend some time with Mark uh, around the Peaks booth and with Brian and Brad and, and Lampers and those guys. Uh, really nice guy, um, really knowledgeable, uh, easy to talk to. So he dropped some, some cool um, bear hunting knowledge and some cool stuff that you know is in his Treeline Pursuits Academy course, which is an e-scouting course, which I highly recommend you check out. I'm going to actually do that course uh, this year, and he just gave me a, a tidbit of some of the tips in there, and it's it is a very powerful uh, course, and just kind of enables you to do some really cool stuff. So it's definitely worth it. it kind of takes you to that next level. But anyway, like I said, it's just kind of a mashup episode here, um, and then I did get a chance to do a longer podcast with uh, Brian Call and Brad Hunt um, at their Airbnb, which will run on Gritty, and I'm going to put it on here as well. Um, we, mainly about Arizona again, but, um, and kind of what we got in the works for this year. Going to be doing some more work with those guys. Um, and it looks like, uh, my Kodiak film will actually be airing on the gritty YouTube channel. Um, you know, it's good. It's good for both of us because, you know, I'll get some more eyeballs on the film and also, you know, Brian and them, they'll get some more content. So, um, look forward to that. Um, look for more of that kind of stuff in the future. I think I'm going to team up with them for bear this year and possibly more. I'm actually headed back out there, um, to hang out with Brian and, and do some stuff next week. So anyway, um, lots of cool stuff on the radar for this year. Um, this is a pretty cool episode. It's all recorded live. Like I said, at the Western hunt expo. So there's a little background noise, but have some good conversations and, um, there's more to come, so enjoy this one, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, guys. What's happening, brother? What's up, dude? It's good to meet you in person. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was happy to. It's, it's always nice when you get to these places, and you get to put a face to the name and I know. shake hands. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've been talking to people over the past year, you know, on Zoom. Yep. And I live on the East Coast, so, you know, I've built a little network of, you know, it's probably like 30, 40 guys that I talked to, never met, and just been spending all day yesterday. I put on, like, literally put on eight miles. I looked at my phone, just walking oh, around, here. just, yeah, in here. It's easy to do, Just though. in here, yeah. yeah it's a and just room. meeting people that I've talked to but never met. So that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So Hunter McWaters, uh, Hunter's Quest podcast. Um, dude, you've kind of, you've kind of gone like this. Oh, yeah. Right? That I've trajectory. Yeah, you've, you've had some, 
we did the Heather Kelly's Founder Speaker Series, yeah, right? Yeah, good. And then to watch it, uh, to watch your trajectory has been has been great, man. I oh, know I you were hungry it. then, and you know, kind of just trying to get your foot in. Yeah. And I think you you've, you've found your path. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a lot of that's through prayer. Absolutely, <laughs> you know dude. What I mean? Yeah. But it's been nice to uh, to watch it, right? Appreciate um, that. You, you, in life, you come across a lot of people, right? And, and some people just resonate with you um, for whatever reason, right? And you seem like a very genuine person. Oh, I appreciate right? that. So, so, so for me to witness you, you know, and that trajectory doing, man, it's like, it's a good thing, right? Oh, it's thanks, like, brother. man, it's, it's good to see good people do what they want to do, right? Yeah. It's, it's oh, been awesome you. to watch. It's been awesome to watch so yeah. far. I'm excited to see, you know, what's to come. Yeah, man. What's, uh, so how'd that look, man? Give, give me the background on it. It went from founder speaker series, like, what am I going to do and how am yeah. I going to do this right. to it almost seems like Hunter was just like, oh, I got this mess figured out now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, definitely, you know, the Lord has directed my paths in, in ways that have put me in a good position. So when I started the Founder Speaker Series, I, I started the podcast about, I don't know, eight months before that. Didn't have really much idea of what I was going to do. Uh, I just wanted to do something because, um, you know, I started Western hunting and just it just like changed my life. I mean, literally it sounds cliche, but it did like- No, it does. Yeah, I, you know, I lost a ton of weight. I got healthy, it reignited. I've always hunted, but it reignited my passion for hunting is like a new thing. So anyway, so started the podcast and I um, professionally have a background in, in filmmaking. I was a producer on a TV show called The 700 Club. I was a cam operator for two years and I was a producer for five years. Um, and so I had this background and uh, you know, I found that basically there's a lot of guys who are better hunters than me, a lot, and there's a lot of guys who are better videographers, producers than me, but the list of guys who are like pretty good at both is relatively short. Um, so, you know, I was able to kind of, I got in with Dan Staten and I did a trip with him, filming for him, and that kind of opened up a lot of doors just because I think people saw like, oh, this guy's legit. He can physically keep up with Dan in the mountains. Uh, you know, he's, so I think that opens up some doors. And then I did a podcast with Brian Call, and we kind of hit it off. And um, he invited me to go out to Arizona with him and Brad for about a week, just to kind of see if we could work together, I think. And um, so I just finished my first film from my Kodiak trip last year. So I'm going more into the film side of things. I'm just continue the podcast, but the film is where kind of my skill set is more of more value, I think. Um, so anyway, so the, the the Kodiak film is supposed to air on the Gritty YouTube channel, which is exciting um, because it'll get kind of more views. You know, if I drop it on mine, I'll be lucky if I get a couple thousand views. You know, if he drops it, probably get quite a few more and it'll help him get some content. I think there'll be more collaboration there in the future, um, potentially with other, you know, so. Um, looking forward to what's ahead, man, and yeah, definitely got to give glory to God for sure. But uh, it's been just awesome meeting guys like you that have been at it and working hard at it for a long time. Really knowledgeable guys, and so I'm blessed, man. What's uh? So I like I love Dan Staten, man. That that yeah, guy. He's, I just, he's gonna be here in like two hours. I just found out. Yeah, I I, I was trying to punk him for an episode. So, Dan, <laughs> you better get on with me. Um, but it, it's nice, right? And like I said, you, you come across people, right? And and I got you guys beating the ears, but. Nonetheless, 
genuine people, right? People that have, like with Dan, right, in particular, he has a passion for something, and he's he's solely sharing, at least my take on him, is he's solely sharing that passion for passion's sake. For sure. And spreading that for the sake of, he just loves it. He yeah. loves it that oh, much. Dude. And does that translate from him to you? Oh, dude, like, does I was going to say, like, it, if there's one dude that I know that, like, embodies the word passion, is it's him. that dude. I spent nine days with him from dark in the morning to dark at night going after elk in New Mexico and probably the toughest unit to hunt elk in New Mexico. The dude was non-stop. I mean, if he took a break for one second, he was on his maps, like, just scheming, like, where are we trying next? What are we doing next? He was up, you know, at night sending out locating, uh, locating locator bugles, like, just trying to find elk. The whole, I mean, that dude is passionate for sure. And, you know, some people that can come across as, like, off-putting maybe I I, I, love, I think he's a great dude genuine guy uh, I would consider him a good friend and yeah he's definitely passionate for sure yeah, I mean the way he presents it right and, and I we had Dan and I podcast a while ago and uh, delayed gratification yeah yeah right that's a that's a big deal that was one of the things when I first started following and listening to him that stood out to me yep because we want everything on a push of a button right yeah. and, and you know in the elk woods I mean any hunting yeah. It really doesn't come like that, right. you know what I mean? And that was one of the things that stood out. And then, like I said, over time, you just watch that guy, and it's like his his work ethic. It'll make you sick. Yeah, dude. It'll I, make you sick at times. <laughs> I think the biggest thing uh, that I that I took away from my time with Dan, which it might sound cliche, but it just really resonated with me, was um, you know there's so many things on an elk hunt or any hunt that you cannot control. There's two things you can control, which no matter what happens will you know determine your outcome, whether you tag out or not, and that's your effort and your attitude. Yes, sir. So that was what he kept saying. We're gonna keep charging hard, and we're gonna keep a good positive attitude, and we did. And um, you know the hunt. You know if you guys saw the episodes about it or the YouTube stuff, um, it, it was a tough hunt. Uh, I don't want to go on, on to all the details, but even though it ended in a tough way and we had dealt with some crazy stuff. It was an awesome experience because we worked hard and we stayed positive and had we had fun, you know. How did that so how did it look how did it look for you, right? Coming out from back east. Yeah. And then, you know, I gotta keep up with Dan State and, <laughs> yeah. and show him I'm worth my salt with this yeah. camera. Yeah, dude, so um he was super cool from the beginning, very professional, you know, um, expectations were known from the beginning. He didn't intentionally do it, but I think I got a little bit of a test on the first day. The first day uh, I was looking at my track last night. Um, we we lost 4,000 and gained 4,000. I think we did close to 12 miles or something. Um, so that was a tough day. And I remember like that first night, kind of laying in my tent. And I don't know if you ever had those nights where you like, exert yourself really hard, but you can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I could not sleep, and I was like, dude, like if this is what every single day is like, I don't know if I can do this. But I was like, I know one thing. I'm not tapping out. I'm not flying home early, so I, I'm gonna have to put my big boy pants on. Thank the Lord, that was like the hardest day. We did have other hard days. Not saying that, but uh, wasn't 11 miles every. It day. wasn't 11 miles <laughs> and like 8,000 feet every day. But uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I trained hard. I knew what I was getting myself into. Uh, I worked hard all year to to get you know. And the last thing I want to do ever is slow anybody down. So I just made it my priority. I'm going to be an asset in camp. I'm going to be up 30 minutes before these guys are up making coffee and get my cameras ready. When they're ready to go, I'm going to be already ready to go. 
and um, I'm not gonna stop, and I'm just gonna give it my all, and um, and that's what you gotta do, and it, it worked out, you know. That's a, that's awesome, man. But that that's the work ethic that it's gonna take, yeah. right? And, and staying positive, man. Yeah. You can you can be the hardest worker out there if you're whining and complaining the whole time. No one wants to be around that. Right. So that's huge, man. Especially especially being a tag along, yeah. so to speak. Sure. Right? I mean, you're the you're literally the third wheel, yeah. and anytime you drag somebody into the woods with you, there's an element that you're uncertain of. If you yeah. haven't hunted with them, right? Noise. It's more smell. You know, it's it's more everything. For sure. So trying to and good on them for taking the chance. You yeah. know what I mean? Good yeah, on yeah. them for taking the chance. But that means that you know they saw something in you. You know, and that's what I'm saying about you. Yeah. Is uh, there's something about I you that, that you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I learned a lot from them, dude. It was awesome. It's funny when when we're on Zoom. And I think you get used to it, right? I've done 300 episodes or so, right? Maybe I haven't released all of them. Um, <laughs> but you start to learn how to get that eye-to-eye -eye feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's just, like, sitting here with you right now, like, it's the same feeling. Yeah. Like, looking at you on the You do kind of get used thing. to it. Yeah, and it's just like, that's what I'm talking about. And there's people that you'll be on Zoom with, and then you meet them, and it's like, oh, no, that's not that's not the person. That's one of those 300 that haven't been released. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely not the person, right? Yeah. So good on you, man. I, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. How, uh, how is Western, you said that, you know, Western hunting has reignited you and kind of changed you. Yeah. Give us a little bit of that, man. Yeah, so um, 2018, I was hitting the scales about 250 pounds. As I said now, I'm like a 175. Yeah, buddy. Um, good on you, man. <laughs> and, uh, I just felt gross, man, and I mean, I need to get in shape, and so I started getting in shape, but then, um, and I wanted to get into Western hunting, too, um, but I, I just, I'm sure pe people can relate, I didn't know where to start, you know, it felt like uh, overwhelming, so I had a good friend of mine, and it was all like, like I said, like God has been directing my past from the beginning, but um, a good friend of mine that same year, actually, he, he wasn't a good friend at the time, he was a friend of a friend I'd hunted with like a couple times, and we actually didn't really click that much. Um, I was kind of in my like hippie phase and he was like in the military so we just didn't see eye to eye but anyway I straightened up a little bit and he mellowed out a little bit so we kind of anyway he was like hey man I'm going to Alaska on this walk-in caribou hunt you know it's gonna be tough but are you down and I was like it was, the timing was perfect and I just said yes and then I realized kind of what I was getting myself into and uh, what it's gonna be like to keep up with this guy so I started training so anyway Lost a ton of weight, got in shape, and just started this evolution. Just listen to podcasts, listen to your podcast some, and other great podcasts. Just, just consuming content to learn. And um, you know, I come, you know, I've been hunting deer and waterfowl since I was, you know, six, eight years old. But uh, as people know, it's a totally different game. You know, um, so you know, I had to learn about backpacking. I had to learn about hiking. You know, training to hike, western hunting, glassing. It's a lot. It's a lot of learning curve. Um, but there's so many good resources out now. So anyway, through that, um, I went on that first trip, didn't tag out, but it was a life-changing experience, man. And uh, ever since then, it's been pretty much like, that's when I started the podcast after that trip, and it's just kind of been like, it's just, it's who I am. Like hunting is who I am, and just kind of this, this rebirth, this kind of more active um, type of hunting. You know, I still love deer hunting. It's, hard, it's harder to sit in a tree stand these days right. than it used to be. Um, not ragging on deer hunting, I still love it, but um, it's just me, man. And then combined with my experience with the camera, it's uh, it's uh, the stars seem to have aligned. That I don't, you know, you know, I don't, I don't mean that literally, but uh, it's uh, it's cool, man. It's been a great journey. It's uh, 
I got the chills when you were talking about right, just just boots on the ground. And there's there's this element for me that like we talk about being in the circle of life, right? But when you're but when you're on the ground and you're chasing an animal, there's something about going across that landscape the way we do, right? And and how we have to be in tune with that and then how we have to be in tune with ourselves yeah right to, to climb those ridges and to, you know look at those look at those valleys and not think and just dive off yeah. in and there's something there's something spiritual about those experiences totally, right and they just deep down that like it's again i'm not trying to rag on whitetail guys i still am a whitetail guy i still probably hunt whitetail till the day i die but i feel like this is really a more full experience of actually hunting. I mean, you are literally pursuing this animal, you're sneaking in on it, you're living in their environment, usually for days on end. Um, it's, a, it's a more immersive, I'm not gonna say it's more complete, well, I might say it is more complete. You know, it, it is more complete experience than walking out from your truck 300 yards, sitting down, going home at night. Again, love it, still do that, but there's something like spiritual, something that really resonates deep down when you're in that environment for days on end and you're actually hunting these animals, like an actual like predator, you know? How many times a day do you do you stop and just go thank you when you're chasing on the mountain? Yeah, man. It, it's like, it's never ending. And that's like one of my things at the end of the day, especially after day 10 when you're just getting pounded. That, that's the thing that brings me back to it, right? Is, is staying aware of how, how grateful I am of the ability and the opportunity to be out in God's creation yeah. just doing that right yeah. just just getting to experience it in that way right dude that's my ritual every every day no matter how good bad or ugly the day is how yeah. great it is it's harder on the days that are really good to remember to do it yeah and I just say it right? it's like thank you for the opportunity and the ability to yeah. do this and there's you know there's there's challenges and stuff with public land. A lot of guys like to get negative and da, da, da. But at the same time, we're so blessed to like live in a place where we have access to public yeah. land and we can grab a gun and go chase these animals or grab a bow. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of countries in the world you can't do that. Yeah, a couple of states that are trying to stop it full on. Yeah, too. yeah. I mean, we got We definitely got to watch that. But yeah. um, we've been blessed to this point. So, um, talk about the podcast a little bit, man. Yeah, so the podcast, uh, you know, like I said, there's tons of great content out there about, um, you know, learning how to backpack hunt, learning how to backcountry hunt. And the stuff I really gravitated to was the stuff that kind of delved a little deeper. I love the, the skills and tactics and gear stuff. That's very important. Um, but also the stuff that really delved deeper into like mental toughness and like, and that kind of side of things. I really found myself really attracted to that. Because like I said, it was more about hunting to me. It was a life transformation. And so... Um, and so I was like, man, if I get hit, and then I started noticing that a lot of these guys, like your Dan Statens or uh, Adam Weatherby, um, guys like that, uh, missing a bunch, but our believers, um, Adam Weatherby was a pastor for 14 years. People probably don't even know that, but um, but the spiritual the spiritual side of things was never really addressed. And there was some Christian outdoor podcasts, and they're great. They're out there. There's I love them. Um, a lot of them have more of a I don't know how to say this in a nice way. Maybe a little bit more preachy, and I don't mean that in a negative way, that there's a place for that. It's just not, that's not how I approach it. I like to talk to my guests about spirituality, about their spiritual connection. If it's their Christian faith, great. That's what I am, I'm a Christian. Um, 
but you know, I, I talk to LDS guys. You know, I talk to other guests that have different spiritualities, or maybe they don't believe at all. But I like to bring, because like you said, whether you believe in Jesus or not, this type of hunting or you know, experiencing nature is a spiritual experience. And however you you know define that, you know, like I said, I'm a Christian, but it's still no matter who you are, you can't deny there's a spiritual connection to nature and the land and. Um, so I like to just uh, to broach that topic with guys. And so I think that's been a little bit of a unique uh, kind of niche I've been able to fit into, um, you know, without just being another another voice in the crowd. So um, it's been cool. I've gotten a pretty good response from it. So, that's good, man. Yeah. Shoot, brother. Yeah, Thank man, it's been great talking down. to you, dude. It's good talking to you, man. It's good to, you know, it's always good to shake hands. Yeah. Um, just keep, keep that trajectory, bro. I'm gonna try, I, man. I can't wait to see what comes up and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm watching. I appreciate I'm it, watching. dude. So yeah, we're here at the Hunt Expo 2022 in Salt Lake City. And uh, I'm just getting a chance to catch up with Trail and Brady. Um, I've talked to Trail before in the podcast. Have you met Brady before? I've met Brady like 30 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> but I have talked <laughs> to you. We're best friends now. Brady's I did Instagram message you about coming yep. on. Yeah. It's just been crazy. But um, I want to get you back on for like a full episode. Yeah, we later. definitely should. Yeah. I, I want to talk about anything. Yeah, man. Especially deer. Dude, you killed a like couple monsters this year? Or just yeah, like, I had a really good yeah. deer. Yeah, killed a good Colorado deer. Killed a really good Idaho deer. Nice. Both both hunts were what I really liked. Struggle hunts. The you archery know, like, or uh, rifle. Rifle. Okay, cool. Yeah, Idaho hunt was just one of those ones where it snowed every single day. Hike super deep in there, try to go away from horses, yeah. and then like have no water. So every day we're melting snow for water, and it's all powder snow. Okay. So you don't get any water content on. It. So like just air. You're hunting hard all day, then once you get back, the hunt doesn't end because you have to like get a bunch of firewood <laughs> yeah. to then mix water Dude, to melt the, melt the snow. And it's like I love those type of stories because like it just makes it that much more rewarding. Yeah. You have to get something. And I, sorry, I'm kind of in the market for a new rifle. You're shooting Expo, right? Yep, Browning Expo, like 300 it? Wind Mag. Yeah, love it. it shoots it really well. Yeah. yeah. I, I do, do hand load. customized stuff on there? I do hand load everything, okay. so like I'm getting a little bit more out of it, but like, you know, Chris Neville in our office, he shoots the same gun I do. Okay. Factory loads, and you know, we're able to stack rounds down like what 700 yards. What projectiles are you running? Uh, I do like 215 burgers. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, he has the uh, Hornady ELDX, like 200 grain bullets, yeah, like yeah, yeah. factory loads. Those, those like, I think work perfectly in a Browning. Are the burgers, sorry, we're going a little bit rabbit trail here, but are the burgers, they lead core or are they like a mono? No, they're lead, yep. Okay. All right. We shoot, we, I shot copper monos this year and they did really well. Mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. I sh yeah, I shot some Barnes bullets this year too on my elk hunt and they're okay. they phenomenal. Well, just real quick, um, just for people, just just like briefly, what do you guys do at Go Hunt? Do you want to start me? Yeah, all right, sir, so sir. yeah. Basically, well, I think we both wear a lot of hats, first of all. Yeah, I, I like to say Brady and I are kind of the middle infielders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've probably seen Brady on your Instagram story a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you, we do a lot of different me. things, but like my main title is head of editorial and social. Okay. So I basically manage all of our writers. I'm a big okay. writer myself. Yeah, that's right. So I write a ton of articles. I, that's my passion is writing and just like helping people. Nice. And then I do all the photography work for, for Go Hunt, like all of our ads and stuff like cool. that. I take all the photos for it while Did I'm hunting. Unfortunately, no. That's that was, trail, that was, right? That was trail. That was you're also model. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The, the model. That's me. That's the hunt I didn't get an invite on, so it's oh, a little sore no. subject. You we know. were uh, we were scouting it out for you, just to make sure it was like up to snuff, okay. and then bring you in on the on the back end. Did you all fly in or the all road? Uh, that's a fly in drop camp. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So besides for that, you know, we help test out all the insider product, give different insider feedback on yeah. like what we want to do and seeing maps, what we want to see an insider. And then we help out in the gear store a lot and some gear reviews because like all the gear we carry is gear that we use so yeah. it's like make this natural that 
trailer myself or Neville or even Brandon, you know, talk about the gear. And yeah. so like I said, we wear a lot of hats, but we try to stay focused, but it is hard. Like I just love the content world. Mm. And so that's where my big baby is at Gohan, is just cool. making sure we have really good content for our users. You guys are putting out some good content. It's it's a, it's a fun time of year. This is the time of year that Trail and I always say, like we just burn the midnight oil because it's application yeah. season. And yeah. so like yeah. Trail's cr cranking, writing articles. I'm trying to build some articles. I'm trying to write some articles on the side. Like okay. we work so many long hours, but it's rewarding because we give back to everyone right now. And yeah. it's like, if they like that piece of content and it makes them successful, like I, I feel that's a win. Well, that's all I look forward I to. I will say like, it's not a sales pitch. These guys really do like helping people. Trail personally helped me out a couple times this year. Um, I love Go Hunt. It's like an amazing research tool, and um, you guys all know you're talking about with gear and everything. So, yep. but yeah, Trail, what, what do you? What's your kind of gig? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So this, <laughs> it's kind of split. I mean, I would say this time of year, primarily, I'm writing. So. Yeah. Uh, application strategy articles for guys that are insiders. Um, you know, we do, we cover every state, every species, the application process, you know. Yeah. Includes a whole bunch of data. I mean, we dive in deep into like all the biology reports and, you know, we find this little little nuggets that we can to like help our insiders, you know, find a hunt that suits them best. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So right now, that's mostly what I'm doing is just writing and research. So a lot of reading, a lot of crunching numbers, a lot of writing, and then, uh, I'll do that primarily through application season. Um, do some customer service, you know, yeah. talk to, to insiders, guys that have questions about where to hunt or where to burn their points or, you know, how a state process works. I answer a lot of those. And then, uh, you know, moving into like summer, I probably do more with like the gear shop and like selecting gear and customer service and then, you know, content. So, yeah. you know, doing gear reviews or, you know, how to's, methodology, that kind of thing. So, Sweet. Trails a wealth of information. Yeah, yeah, a lot you, of that knowledge is always I, up in I his head. I think what he means is I'm old. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He's wise. <laughs> yeah. I've been applying for a lot of years in the West, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been kind of playing the game. I grew up here in a hunting family, so. Yeah. I think a lot of that, you just, you know, as you do it, it's innate. You kind of, you, you gain it. So it's like yep. a lot of those things I have just at the top of my head. And, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, like, super intimidating when you first start looking at it. Yep. And then, um, but using a tool like Go Hunt is super helpful. And just kind of start start small, like mm -hmm. sure. start with one state, yep. one species maybe, mm -hmm. and just kind of try to figure it out and then broaden out from there. And that's yep. the thing. I mean, I know I know how high that hurdle is to get into Western big game hunting. I mean, that's that's even if you have some hunting experience, you know, like say you've hunted whitetail out east, um, you know, to come west, I understand how high that hurdle is. So if I can do, you know, anything yeah. to help somebody, because I know, I know what hunting means to me. I know the part it plays in my life and like the the adventure and you know how much emphasis I put on planning for those every year. Yeah. If I can help somebody kind of realize that within themselves, it's it's yeah. really satisfying. Like That's I, cool. I I really like it. Like I enjoy you know, hearing from you this year. Yeah. Kill a great antelope buck. I mean, you come out, like, it's awesome. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah I texted a trail picture. Like, yeah, check it out, dude. Yeah, we love all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's what makes it all worth it, you know? Like, yeah. we, when you help someone out and they send you messages later, like, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's really so cool. cool. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I use Go Hunt a ton for researching and, like, figuring out, you know, what's going on this time of year especially. But I know you guys have a lot of, like, more like mapping features and stuff like that that you're kind of like are pretty new right yep pretty new. and i'm just gonna be totally honest with you i haven't really got my feet in there yet sure um so tell me a little bit about that and for guys that maybe use it as a research tool but don't know much about the mapping stuff yet mm -hmm. so to me mapping is a great way to supplement everything else you're doing like 
even right now during application season, I might know some units that I kind of want to apply for, but I'll jump in over to our maps and I'll you know throw the unit boundaries on or throw the public land, mm -hmm. private land boundaries on there. Then I'm also just like diving in and like looking at the terrain in 3D yeah. to fully see like- Oh, you get the 3D mapping 3D mapping, yeah, it's full 3D mapping. So you can tilt That's it all the way awesome. down. You can see all the little glassing points. Yeah. That, this is gonna give me a better you idea. you can do that on Google Earth, but you don't have the same tools. You don't have and, the same tools. So yeah. now I can add, and, and I can drop all my waypoints in there right now while I'm, while I'm like in the research research phase. That then, then if I do draw that tag, I have all those waypoints I kind of mark, like potential glassing areas yeah. while I'm kind of you know, e-scouting it. And they'll transfer into the mobile app when I go out in the field. So I'm able to like navigate the terrain, move around, see like, is this an actual unit I want to burn my points on? Does it have the glassable right. terrain that I like to hunt deer in? Sure. Or does the unit next door that I could also draw have better terrain, maybe a little bit more public land, and then I'm able to move it around, get a really good visual of it. Yeah. And then now too, with our like terrain analysis tool we just came out with, which is a super cool like thing you can use in 3D, where you can basically say, show me all the east facing slopes with some south facing slopes at one time, to start highlighting all these areas, and you can do by slope aspect, by, you can you use this tool to find flat camping spots. We have a, we have a flat layer. That's yeah. cool. So That's cool. you can basically, when you're out in the mountains, like, you know, you're always like, man, where's a good area to yeah. camp? Like, you can turn the flat layer on ahead of time for e-scouting on the computer and mark those little flat camp areas. Wow. So while you go out there, like, hey, I already saw this area was a big 30 meter section. I know I can pitch a That's tent sweet. there because I marked it. And so what I've been doing with the train analysis tool, because it might sound like super confusing at first, but I'm taking like, all my old mule deer data in the unit. I know where I've glassed up bucks, I know where I've killed deer, and I'm starting to determine a pattern of what mm. like what space these deer are on yeah. and what elevations I'm killing them on. And now I'm able to look to take that, extrapolate it, and look into other units that might have that similar terrain feature For sure. or similar slope or or what it is that why those deer are there. Yeah. And I'm, I think like I'm having a leg up because I can use that data for other hunts or use that data in the same unit. It was a bunch of other hunter pressure there, but there's basins beyond there that the similar features that I've been finding deer on. Yeah. Nice. And even like right now, what, shed hunting? Yeah, I mean, I use it for a very similar, I mean, you know, if I'm archery elk hunting, I'm looking for big north facing, you know, timber bedding pockets. Flat layer is awesome. You can lay those in and kind of look for those find benches, benches, saddles. Yeah. You can find those little wet meadows and seeps, you know, where those bulls are going to cruise through and wallow. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. a super, really cool tool. I mean, the elevation tool is really cool. Yep. Um, you know, right now, I, I, I used to do a lot of shed hunting. I want to get back more into it and do more of it when I can find the time. It's a, it's a time crunch now, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, big south facing slopes, ridge lines. It's so easy to highlight and look at a landscape level with this yeah. tool. Yeah, especially for like spring bear hunting, because I'm planning spring on a spring bear. bear hunt right now, and I can turn on the south facing slope, so I can see a giant mountain range in the unit. I can see all the big south facing areas, and then I can like adjust the transparency so I can still see through it. And be like, was that south facing timbered, or is it open? Does it okay. look like I have a bunch of like green vegetation on there? That's and then sweet. I can use the same elevation thing, and I can narrow it down to only show me south facing slopes at a certain elevation range. Maybe I've seen bears in that area before. I know bears usually hang out, whatever, 8,000 feet in that spot. Yeah. I can kind of hone that in. Nice, so it's even a big giant leg up on your, your east yeah, scouting efforts. Yeah, definitely have to dive more into that. Yeah, and I then you can say. drop waypoints at the same time, like I said. And I mean, yeah. all the advancement, all the technology, I mean, you look at long range rifles and guns, I mean, that's kind of changed the game, but I would say probably the one thing that's changed it more than anything is, is mapping yeah. and, and aerial imagery. Yeah. I mean, when you're out on a landscape, and you can pull up your phone and you can look at an aerial image of the landscape yeah. and use that to be like, okay, this is my route. Or, you know, for example, I remember being on a, an elk hunt in Wyoming. Uh, we had a bull bedded on a bench, you know, and you get down in there and things look different. You know, yeah. you, you made that approach from a mile and a half away and you're in just straight timber and you're trying to figure out where the proper spot to pop mm -hmm. out into that flat to get a shot at this bull. 
you know, you can pull up your phone now, you have an aerial imagery, you know, with tracking GPS, and you can pick the exact route you need to take to, okay, to pop out nice. in the right spot. I mean, it's, in my opinion, mapping has been like, one of the biggest gains in yeah. in hunting. Especially like, if you're a dude like me, like, I can't just go for a weekend scouting trip exactly. to Montana. Sure. <laughs> you can you can know the, the terrain, like the back of your hand before you even go yeah. there. Like, like I go into a hunt with like 200 some waypoints of like backup spots, <laughs> potential glassing areas, yeah, you gotta camping spots. So I, I feel like I know everything there is to see before I get there. And then I get there, obviously things look a little steeper and nastier than what always, it always is. Yeah. <laughs> but like even, even what Trail was saying, like I can use some of that terrain, like if I'm hiking, all of a sudden I get to a bunch of thick brush, I can pop up my aerial imagery. Like I don't want to hike through that brush, but I could go over here 80 yards, there's an open clear cut and I can walk up that clear cut and not yeah. you know, bushwhack for I mean, you, two you, miles. Yeah, you hunted Kodiak this year, right? Yeah. So I've, I've hunted Kodiak before with, without, with a, a plain old Garmin GPS, right? Okay, Back yeah, in yeah. the day, no aerial imagery whatsoever. Worst pack out of my entire life, okay? I mean, four miles to the beach, uh, it took us like seven hours. It was a snowstorm. Had I had aerial imagery yeah. on a map, it would have taken us an hour. Because you could pick hours. that best route. Because you could pull that up and be like, I don't want to go into that alder patch. We're going to yeah. go that way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Big, <laughs> big, big advantage. Hold on one second. Yep. So. Yeah, shoot me an email. I'll send you a bunch a of stuff. bears? Yeah. Yep, no problem. A lot of bears. But they were polite. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> that was so random. Yeah. That was random. Uh, um, you probably didn't even know we were recording. No, I probably didn't. Yeah. But uh, that's okay. Um, see, they're so helpful, guys. Even when we're in the <laughs> middle of a recording. She wanted a question about maps. I gave her my email address. Told me, shoot me an email, and I was going to give her a bunch of articles to I help mean, her out with that's like maps. a perfect advertisement right there. That was really cool. Um, so yeah, so you guys can use, so with, with the mapping stuff, like, just to reiterate, um, I know, like, you know, Lots of guys run Onyx. Mm -hmm. You have similar capabilities with, with y'all stuff now. You can, yep. um, cause I've even had some, I don't want to like bash anybody, but I had a couple waypoints disappear on me lately or like some weird stuff happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I haven't tried y'all's in the field yet. And I'm assuming you can, still, you can do offline sure. maps and all that. Yeah, the yep. quality's there. And yeah, I mean, Onyx has been, I mean, they've been kind of the industry standard, yeah. right? And, it, and it's been the only game in town right. for a really long time and we've all used it. Yeah. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I used it, Brady's used it. Um, you know, our, our maps will do everything that they do. Plus, we've also kind of refined the, the function of it. To, I mean, we're looking at it from a, a very, you know, pure hunting standpoint. Yeah, I think I we mean, are, like, more fully focused on hunting yeah. tools. Yeah. Like, all those different layers for hunting. Yeah, and then, you know, I mean, the functionality and then, um, you know, just the, just the layers, like race. And some yeah. features that we think are particularly mm -hmm. applicable to hunting, yeah. you know, especially the West, you know, I mean, that's kind of our focus. And so, I mean, you get everything under your one subscription. So for your, your 150 bucks, you get all the draws, all right. the filtering, all the application strategy articles, you get maps, right. downloadable to your phone. And there are probably a lot of people that are paying for, already Both. for Go Hunt and not using it sure. and have yeah, all Yeah, and that. now they get maps myself. on top of it. So that's why we say, like Trill's saying, it's a 365 right. day product. Now you have research, scouting, gear shop, and then roll in a season with maps. And the coolest thing is, like I said, everything you do on the web map transfers over to your mobile phone. Yeah. yeah. You can add notes oh, to everything. Cool. And the one thing I really like too about our maps is we have a folder structure, which is called like collections. I think it's going to change eventually to hunts. But yeah, it's a collection folder. So I can say I have a 2022 Colorado deer hunt. I can start dropping all those waypoints in that folder oh, nice. so it stays organized. So I can, I can turn off everything else. Like I have, you know, thousands upon thousands of waypoints in yeah. you know, all these different states but it makes your map look cluttered and I can just turn off everything else, just focus on Colorado, and then I can share that collection 
with Trail. If Trail and I are going to hunt together, yeah. I can share him. You share with me. I can share. Yeah, <laughs> I, can, I can share you 200 waypoints at once. It's no Please longer do. it's no longer one waypoint <laughs> at a time. Yeah. So it saves a bunch of time. I can share everything with him. He That's can start cool. adding to it. So we hunting together, we can go into the field with a better plan, and we all know the game plan. We all know we're going to camp nice. ahead of time. It's not like I only have the waypoints and yeah. you don't. Yeah. Maybe yeah. your password protect that. Actually, yeah, and it's it's one link. So once you share that link, that link can only be clicked on once, and it goes away. So he okay. can't he can't then share it with his buddy. It's gotcha, like I get full you. control, nice. and it's kind of cool. And I can re and all of a sudden, like if we go on a hunt together, and you know, all of a sudden trails like you know I don't want to hunt with you ever again. I can instantly revoke all those waypoints and get rid of them. <laughs> nice. That's why it's like it keeps you in control of your data because it's all yours. That's cool. So, so you guys have thought about all that stuff. All right. Well, just last question: You guys got any cool adventures planned this year? I got a lot of wild stuff. We got, I mean, we have Idaho. We, Idaho, yeah, we both we, picked we, up Idaho tags. Archery elk. Yeah, we went through that process. I, got, yep. I picked up an archery elk tag and a, deer, a rifle deer tag. Did you get the one you wanted? No, no. it was like my fourth choice, but it's it's a unit that I hunted when I uh, when I was going to school yeah. in northern Utah. So I, cool. I've been in the unit, I kind of understand it. Um, I mean, I've got applications in for Wyoming elk, I mean, that deadline, Arizona yeah. elk. I kind of played that game, took more of a swing for the fences approach, but I've got I've got nine points in Utah, so I'm trying to figure out if I want to burn them on elk, and that's probably the that's probably the one I'm really going to throw all in and yeah. and, and draw a Utah elk tag, which is my home state, and nice. kind of get back to you know the way I used to do. I used to spend a lot of time scouting, and I would have one or two permits a year, yeah. and I would really just scout my tail off and try to come up with an animal that I was really genuinely excited and you know enthusiastic about, yeah. and then you know the satisfaction I'd feel from hunting that hard and then killing that animal right. was something that like I, I really enjoyed. So I kind of want to get back to that. So I, I might cool. do that, just throw in on Utah elk and make that my, my main focus. Yeah. Yeah. It cool. is nice sometimes not having a ton of permits. Put more time into it, those. It's fun, but it's also, you know, you can get spread real thin. It's, yeah. it's hard to do well across multiple states and species. You know, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Where so like, tra like trail, I got an Idaho deer tag. Wasn't the exact spot I wanted, but to me, if I have a tag anywhere in Idaho, I feel like I'm very fortunate and I'll just do justice and yeah. do a bunch of research to try to find the animals on it. So I'm really excited for that Idaho deer hunt. That's with the rifle. October? October, nice. yeah. And uh, then I'm just gonna play the draws wherever else. I didn't apply for Wyoming elk. I just build points there because I'm not a big elk guy, but I have eventually- You're a mule deer guy. Yeah, eventually though, I'm gonna have a slammer elk here. I just gotta try to figure out how to fit those, those in there because I have double digit points in every single western state for elk that's amazing so i'm in a really good position to burn them and i have to that's be careful cool. like how i apply for elk because i yeah. you know i always focus on mule deer but eventually i want to start you know doing maybe one elk hunt a year yeah and start pounding those off but hoping for a colorado tag you know hoping i can maybe draw wyoming deer tag and get lucky but i'm yeah. probably gonna be like trail and i might just try to do like three deer hunts and just call that good or cool. maybe just two and just do a lot more scouting and just try to find some bigger deer this year. Sweet. You've got a bunch of hunts planned out. What one? Yeah. Are, like what one or two are you most? Um, the Idaho one's gonna be an adventure for sure. sure. Um, and then I'm gonna try to do. I should draw the Montana General Rifle Tag this sure. year. Oh, yeah. With I get two points. Yep. Oh yeah. You'll draw. So I should draw that. So looking forward to those. But I mean, I'll, I'm looking forward to bear hunting too. Yeah. Um, cool. In May, probably gonna try Montana in May. Yep. I got a Montana. I'm gonna do a Montana bear hunt again. Nice man. Um, went. When are you going, like roughly? Uh, towards the end of May, I think. Okay, right cool. now, we're kind of scheduling out. Cool, cool. So yeah, I'm just yeah, it's gonna be a wild year, but I'm looking forward yeah. to it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm excited to kick it out. That's why, like, I want bear season here, like right now. I know, man. I, have, I already have like the cabin fever thing. I just want to get out and go hunting again, and Dude. like 
coming to these show like this too, it's like you see all this stuff, but it's like you can't just not think about like salivating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get me yeah, out in the field. As, like, I just I, want to be out there. I've bear hunted back home in the east, but I've never like bear hunted out west. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to drive out to Montana and I'm not leaving until I kill a bear. Yep. <laughs> and I say about bearing too, you can do it as easy as a hunt as you want, like yeah. pass from some roads, like close logging roads, walk down them, or you yeah. can just go on a savage, nasty backcountry hunt. And <laughs> I'm going to try that one. Yeah. I'm going to try to do base camp and then do like, you know, spike out for, you know. There's a lot of bears too. It's like we see so many bears when we're out there like yeah. last year we saw 15 bears in like wow. six days that's awesome we're passing up a lot of bears we probably shouldn't have passed up we were looking for some big giants but like the opportunity's there see you the cool thing about where i am i don't care about giants yet mm -hmm. like, you know what i mean like i'm happy to see good... one and then you'll care a lot yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean don't get me wrong i love giants but yeah. i don't have yeah. to have a giant yep yeah <laughs> but anyway well anyway thanks for your time guys it's been cool yes. catching with y'all i appreciate yeah. it i yeah, appreciate it thank you man yeah. uh i'll see you guys around yeah likewise right. yeah all right so here is Mitch and Travis, right, yeah. Alpine Carnivore, north of the border. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming down. No problem, man. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So stuff's kind of crazy in Canada right now, huh? Yeah, a little bit. We're uh, seeing a whole bunch of protests, which yeah. is really cool. We're kind of envious a little bit because yeah. we've been down in Mexico for three weeks and now yeah. all this has been happening while we're gone. So yeah. we're going to get up there, grab the Canadian flag and yeah. go wave it with the boys. <laughs> all right, well, I want to hear what you did in Mexico, but... Um, First of all, just tell people a little bit about Alpine Carnivore and like what, what you guys got going. Yeah, for sure. So we've been doing this for almost a year now, I guess. Pretty Since close to the start too. of uh, April or mid-April. Yeah, I've been like filming that. for almost two years now, but we just really started releasing all of our content this year, putting everything out on YouTube and stuff. Yeah. And uh, we got a contract with a TV network. So yeah. we're on Wild TV. It's like a Canadian outdoor network gotcha. type deal. And uh, yeah, we're just all about like backpack hunts, man. Yeah. So we do all over, ideally BC is like our main spot, but once uh, once winter hits, then we do a little bit more traveling and try and get to um, other spots and do as much backpack hunting as we possibly can, really. So you guys like buddies from back in the day or how? Yeah, actually, so we grew up in a small, I think it's called Greenstone now, but it's a few different little towns. Um, amalgamated? Or yeah, amalgamated yeah. together, yeah. No, in Ontario. Ontario Northwestern right. Ontario, you know, uh, I think it's four and a half hours northeast of Thunder Bay. So we're in the boonies, man. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. in the middle of the bush. And I grew up in a small town called Nikina. Mitch grew up in a small town called Longlack. And uh, I'm a few years older than Mitch, but I think when I was graduating, he was coming into high school. So we met that way okay. and through family, friends, and... and yeah. stuff like that so, so together for a while or? yeah kind of, i mean we did a little bit of hunting back in ontario together so i uh, used to guide a lot of bear hunts my okay. parents owned an outfitter nice. and trav was actually on another show called hitman canada nice. and uh so he came over we did a bear hunt together filmed that a bit and then um when i started doing this with my cameraman cheese we decided to like get into it full time and i was like shit we need another person so i like bring up trav i'm like hey you got like the best job ever for you all you do is plan hunts and come on hunts That's and like network and he's yeah. like yeah sounds pretty good so he, he dropped all his stuff sold everything came across the country moved to bc and uh nice. yeah here we are are you, you got family are you married or are you single no i'm single okay. uh no fam like i got family like my parents right, 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 and yeah. stuff my sister are back in ontario okay, still but so I, you got the freedom to just kind of drop that's everything. right i got a dog which is kind of a pain in the ass <laughs> yeah. when you got going on going on a one month hunt kind of thing yeah but, uh, well okay so what um what kind of hunts did you guys get into this year i, I checked out your youtube channel got some awesome stuff on there man you guys definitely check it out um alpine carnivore what kind of hunts you got on there right now so we this year we did like the bc slam pretty much everything we could do in bc yeah. so 
We started off the year, we did uh, spring bear, then spring turkey, and uh, we got in a really cool hunt, actually, that I didn't know existed. It's uh, sick of blacktails on Haida Gwaii. And unfortunately, we went a little bit early just because it, we couldn't get there uh, when they're all hard horned and stuff. But the population on that island is like 200,000 deer on like a really small island. Yeah. So we went out and we were seeing like 100 plus deer every day. Real good bucks. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we're definitely going back there this year when they're hard horned. Yeah. Um, but that was a really cool hunt. You're allowed 15 deer per person per year. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, five, five a day, 15 yeah. total. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that and then we got into, uh, we went and did um, a combo hunt. So sheep, goat, and uh, mountain caribou. Yeah. And uh, we each killed some goats, but uh, we almost killed the sheep. I just wasn't sure. We were at like 70 yards from yeah. what we now know was the legal ram. Right. But just it's didn't want to side of caution. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. Didn't want to risk sure, it. I was sure. in that boat in Alaska a couple years ago on some small caribou bowls. As non-residents, you can't shoot cows. Yeah. Yep. Weren't sure. We just did bull trigger. It kind of sucked, sure. but you got to do that. You know? Exactly. Be responsible. Um, and then we got into uh, we did elk. I shot the biggest elk of my life this year, like a nine by seven bull. Just a giant. He's just, just about four hundred inches. Nine by seven. He's almost four hundred inches, man. Is that rifle or archery? <laughs> so it's during uh, rifle season, but I wanted to get him. So I hunted all archery season, and then I kept my bow for rifle season. I was like determined. Yeah, and legit. then we were uh, no, actually, me and the cameraman Cheese were about to go to. Um, uh, Newfoundland and do a caribou hunt and I had one day my last day so I hunted the morning with my bow and I stalked up to and I, it might even be the same bowl I don't know he was bedded in some stuff about like 35 yards I'm like talking to the camera I'm like okay we're gonna shoot I go to draw and then the wind switch and he just like he didn't even get up he just like lunged forward and just disappeared on me and I was like no like this no so after that I just grabbed my rifle I was like screw it I'm just gonna shoot any bowl I see and we go back into that same spot like four hours later here comes nine by seven uh, walking into 10 yards and i had my rifle uh, and I, yeah i killed him with the rifle oh well, but yeah, yeah it was got him. It, i got oh, him. Dude, it was, he's the biggest bull i've ever seen <laughs> that's amazing dude. yeah so you guys had pretty good opportunity uh up in canada you said you can hunt sheep like every year right yeah so all over the counter man so yeah, the cool thing is in bc southern bc you need like draw it's a draw system but northern bc there's not very many people who hunt there so you can get over the counter moose caribou sheep goat uh, elk, whatever you want, just yeah. every year get that's, a tag and go. Awesome, yeah, and it, it's fairly cheap tags as well. Wow. Like I think uh, this fall, I bought uh, I bought five tags. Was, I think three deer tags, elk tag, and a moose tag. It cost me ninety nine dollars. That's awesome. Um, what's it like? Well, you know, I don't want to get the jab, <laughs> so I don't got Canada on my menu anytime soon. Hopefully that'll change. Yeah. But. Maybe for guys who are vaxxed, or maybe that'll change one day. What's it like for Americans going up there? Because I'd always, like, I'd love to hunt Canada sometimes. So, depends what province you're in. Yeah. Um, British Columbia and Alberta are pretty easy. So, what you do, you can either go with an outfitter, you can do that and just go. Yeah. Or, if you get a buddy right. who lives there, they can do something called hunter hosting you. So, let's say you come up, you decide, hey, I want to go moose hunting. So, you buy an out-of-province moose tag, which will cost you, like, 200 bucks or something yeah. like that then we go out with you, we sponsor you. So we just like stay with you and we're gonna go. Yeah. That's it's it. It's just a little application process. It takes two, three weeks, yeah. maybe up to five weeks to, to know if you got the hunter host. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. A, a permanent company is what it's well, called. Well, maybe if the 
stuff changes or something, maybe we could team up someday on a hunt or yeah, something. Yeah, be cool. be cool. Be very cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, we uh, we got a lot of opportunity up there, and uh, it's like we're just scratching the surface. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I've lived in uh, Ontario, and then for the last five years, I lived in Alberta. Okay. Um, and Alberta is amazing, and then the wife and I decided to make a switch, move to BC, and now BC is like just a Shangri-La of hunting, man. It's like anything you want, yeah. it, it's there, and you can get after it. It's it's not easy. I mean, you're not chuck hunting. Sure. You got to do backpack style hunts. That's to, the way we like it anyway. But that's, that's right. what we love. So yeah. for us, it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. Sure. Um, and now it's down the competition too. It, that's it. And now I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm a pilot. So I, I this year I'm going to get myself a float plane, and that's just going to open up a whole new world Dude, you for can fly, us. Yeah. So my my one of my buddies and hunting partners just got a job recently with the Alaska Air National Guard. Yeah. And he's a pilot, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So. Cross my fingers, Lord willing, by 2024, I'll have a friend in Alaska that has a cub. That's yeah, yeah. that's. Cool. I even told Super him I might, cool. I might like partner him with you know buying the aircraft. So yeah, hope that works out. That but, would be awesome. Yeah. Because so, but what, what were you guys doing down in uh, Mexico? Oh, well, Mexico. I mean, Mexico. We had uh, we. So I was there last year. Did a coos deer hunt. Awesome I'm that, time. I'm doing that, uh, this coming January. In Mexico? Yeah, yeah. With what outfitter? I'm going with Jay Scott. We're Jay doing Scott. DIY. Yep, but, yep. Yeah. So that's my favorite thing. Anything that we do, if it's possible, I want to do DIY. Yeah, just, I'm not knocking having a guide. Yeah. But like, for me, yeah. when I have a guide, I just kind of mentally, like, almost you like check follow, out. You yeah, want to follow that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like having to figure it out myself. It's, yeah. and, and that's exactly it. And, that's and, hunting. I mean, for, for us, the, there's like two reasons, in my opinion, I would still use a guide. One, if I want to learn a new species, yeah. and the second one is like, if I absolutely can't do that hunt with, without, without having right. a guide. But even in that scenario, I still won't go with an outfitter unless they, they allow me to, you know, you can still be there. Some some freedom, autonomy. but like, freedom yeah, let, let's, yeah. instead of, you know, if we want to hike that mountain, not be like, no, well, you, you got to follow me and let's yeah. like, and then they tell you when to shoot and they, that's, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and not to knock anybody who does, it's just right. for me personally, I, that's not the hunting experience I want. For sure. Yeah, me either. So when we were down in Mexico, we talked with, uh, we, we used Coos uh, Outfitters, this guy's name's Bobby, uh -huh. and um, he allowed us to do uh, do-it-yourself Coos um, hunt. Uh -huh. So we went out, did a backpack style on a, it's all ranch properties, right? Because everything's private over there. It's not high fence or anything, but it's just private property. Yeah. So we got out there, we just like went five days hiking through the mountains, we killed Three pretty good bucks. Yeah. No, no giants, but uh, there's nice they're deer. They're tough to hunt. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hunt. Mitch got it. He says no giants, but he got a very nice mature mainframe two point uh -huh. that scored 92 inches. Wow. Yeah, it's a two point. Yeah, no, so like, and this thing had a couple busted off stickers, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah, he he would have hit 100 without yeah. all. Oh, the he would have been over. But uh, yeah. Anyway, exactly. it. Uh, One second. Just making sure we didn't hit the record limit. Uh, <laughs> I hate that on that camera, but um, 92 inches on a two-point. Yeah, it's pretty cool-looking two-point for sure. Yeah. And he did have like he had a, a sticker here, and then what else is brow? I think a brow tag. Yeah, brow busted off like too. It's cool-looking. Were you pretty buck. close to the border, the U.S. Um, border? Are you pretty yeah. far south? It's like an hour and a half. So yeah. Okay. About that. It's a fun hunt though. Yeah, it's Dude, man, super. Very nice terrain too. Uh, we yeah. were in for Arku's hunt. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like canyons everywhere yeah. and super Because I went with uh, with Brian this year to do the archery in Arizona and like. 
you know, we got into bow range a couple of times, but dude, those things are so hard to kill with a bow. Oh, like, I, bet. I was like, yeah, I'm doing this rifle next year. <laughs> well, we're planning, well, we're thinking of doing yeah. Arizona next year, archery, yeah. and then going back and doing That'd be cool. so double coups. Yeah. So you can like, you know, spend a couple of days bashing your head against a rock and not killing anything and then just go like, well, oh, shit, now you're either, either way, either, either do the one in Mexico first and spend as long as it takes in, yeah. the, in yeah. Arizona. Now you guys will get it done, but yeah. I mean, that's a, like, if you can kill a coup with the bow, I've seen it firsthand, like, you're legit. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm honestly indifferent. Coos, mule deer in Arizona, the tag's good for both. Right. Yeah. We find a good buck bedded somewhere, yeah. we're gonna yeah. go sure. after whatever sure. it is. For sure. Um, and then we jumped into the, the mule deer hunt. Mule deer hunt, uh, so for us, uh, a big thing with, like, the backpack hunts is on these ranches, they're like, well, stay in our ranch house and we'll drive you around on a high rack. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, nah, it's yeah. not really what I want. So we'll just go camp up in the mountains. So he's like, well, there's no mule deer up there. I'm like, mule deer, mountains, come on, that's where yeah, they live. Yeah. So like we go up there, we spend two days, didn't see so a mule deer. So you guys will kind of go on to private land, but sort of treat it as a public land. Exactly. Just kind of, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah, as much as if they let us, yeah. you know, yeah. like, but ideally we try and pre-establish. Yeah, like a tra trespass fee or whatever. Or yeah. Do you, they do landowner tags? Or well, they, it's all landowner tags. Okay. Yeah, so the landowners in Mexico get Whatever oh, amount of tags. Canada. No, 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 I'm talking about we, in okay. Canada. It's all so you camped public. out and stuff up. Yeah, yeah in okay. Mexico. Okay. So for this mule deer hunt, um, yeah, we went up into the mountain. They have like a mountain section and a lot of flats. Right. So we went up there, thought we were gonna see some deer, but didn't see nothing. Saw one coos deer. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, me and uh, the cameraman Cheese came down, and then uh, Trav and my dad stayed up, and we came down and immediately found mule deer box. Yeah. So uh, we got into um, like a. The hell do you call those a big stand tower stand uh, tower stand yeah, yeah. stood up there and it's way better because it the brush down there is just so thick mm -hmm. it's hard to see through and like when you're walking you're loud and yeah. so we got up found a buck got down and we got after him and like it was like a hour and a half trying to find him and then once we found him it's like 10 minutes of peekaboo through the brush yeah. and eventually we killed him he's a pretty solid deer like nice four by four yeah. 170, 75 class. So I was pretty stoked with them. Um, the only, the shitty thing, when we killed him, um, I go to start breaking him down. I open him up. He's full of worms oh, inside. Weird. And then I cut up his esophagus, and all this white ooze was pouring oh. out of his lungs, and yeah. it stunk like Ugh. really, really bad. That's terrible. And then I was like, I don't know if this is like all right no. to eat or what. So I, I didn't discount it just yet. So I took the guts out, I skinned them, put, start going through the quarters. And as I cut through the front shoulder, all this like I just got squirted with oh. white just pus, crap everywhere. Yeah, it was all yeah, in my I pants. Video online. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's gonna be our yeah our video will be up with oh, that. You got the video oh yeah, oh okay. yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I we were supposed to eat it right there, and I was like, yeah, probably yeah, not. Nah. Yeah. So we packed it out. We slept with it that night because there's a lot of coyotes there. They, if we left it, it they probably would have ate it. So slept with it there, and then in the morning we hiked it out, and the landowner's like, no, you do not eat this. Yeah. And then what he decides to do with it, he's like, well, we'll take care of some of those coyotes. So he takes all the meat, <laughs> fills it with poison, oh, no way. chops yeah. it up, and then goes and throws it all over the property. Oh my God. I was like, what the hell are you doing, man? He's like, well, it's fine. It's how we take care Mexican of Mexican conservation. Yeah, seriously, yeah. yeah. Kill every single animal that eats meat. Oh, that's just, not just coyotes, right? Yeah. Birds and Birds, stuff. Yeah. 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 So crazy, dude. after that, we got into a pretty hairy scenario. Trav, uh, Trav and my dad were still up in a mountain and my truck didn't really have any gas to go back and get them. So we had to go into town, a little town called Chincheras. 
So I drive in there, look for gas, and there's no, it's just like a small town. There's no gas station, so I turn around, and uh, I drive like a white Ford Raptor, red rims, it's kind of flashy. So um, these, uh, I, I turn, and then I look down the road, it's a one-way, and there's this car that like blocked off the one-way street. Yeah. And this guy gets out, and he open, puts his window down, opens his door, and he points an AK-47 at no us. I'm like, whoa, what the <laughs> fuck? Yeah, and then uh, she's like, you should stop. I'm like, no, I'm not stopping. So I like drive around him, and you see him get on the radio. I'm like, okay, cheese, we're going, man. And we start driving, like, oh, we're going like 40. Yeah. And this uh, blue Dodge Ram comes out of uh, um, like a side road and tries to ram the side of my no truck. It's like, and so he comes in, I like swerve, and I hit the gas. And there's four armed, like one woman in the front, and then three other men all pointing AKs at us, no yelling way. at us. I'm like, shit. And I hit the gas, and then another car comes up in front and cuts the whole road off. So I was like, cheese, either we're ramming this car or we're stopping he's, he's like just stop so we stopped and then it was mayhem man these four people get out with their guns four more come out of that car and then there's two other cars that pulled up they box us completely in all AKs pointed at our heads and they're like yelling in Spanish and I like speak a bit of Spanish but I pretended I didn't know anything I was like uh whoa, like yeah. no 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 I was like Casador Casador like we're just hunters man and uh, cheese is um, Filipino and he looks like Mexican he's yeah. brown right and he's wearing like a little Mexican hat and shit. So they're like, in Spanish, they're like, you speak Spanish. And the guy got so mad, man. He starts like punching my truck, hitting my truck with the gun. No he's way. like, you speak Spanish. And we're like, oh my God. And the kid, there's a kid there, he's like 16. And he's like this with a gun, like this far from Cheese's face. And he like puts, ejects his live round and puts another live round in, with his finger on the trigger. And he's like waiting for his boss to give the okay to like oh waste us God. right there. And his boss is like, we're gonna kill you, everything in Spanish. I'm like, we're done, cheese. And they like made us put the truck in park, took, oh sorry, took our phones away. Um, and that was, we're like 10 minutes of this. And then some guy comes up the side and I like start chatting with him. And he was a lot cooler headed. And I was like, man, we're just hunters going to get gas. And he, he explained that he thought we were part of a rival cartel oh, coming in and like, I don't know, trying to intercept their transmissions oh or something. Yeah. <laughs> so nuts, it was, dude. yeah, it was mind blowing, man. Anyways, we ended up getting out of there and being safe, wow. but yeah, very sketchy shit. Don't go to Trincheras. <laughs> <laughs> when I go down there, I'm not going into any town. Yeah, and don't drive a Ford Raptor. That's yeah. the, I think the main thing. With red rim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, well, tell me real quick what you guys got uh, lined up for this year. Man, we got uh, another dream season. I mean, last year was great. This year now we know more of the areas that we can hunt and, yeah. and how to hunt certain species we never hunted before. So we just did, obviously, the coos, the mule deer, the bighorn sheep down in Mexico. Now, uh, we might be doing an audad hunt here in March. Maybe got some planning to figure out, but if that don't happen, we're doing uh, some turkeys, and then we go into a major bear season. So we're doing two bears each, and then my wife and cameraman are each gonna get one as well, so at least six bears. Six bears. Bro. And then uh, after that, we, we're gonna be doing, um, what month is that gonna be? We'll That's, go. That kind of goes into yeah, June. Right, yeah, right into go. probably sheep. We're gonna do yeah. some stone sheep. And uh, once we're done the stones, we come back, we go to Haida Gwaii fly in there do the sick blacktail hunt nice from there go do like a month of elk so i got two elk tags chav has one down in colorado nice. so we'll be doing a few different elk hunts there cool. and then uh, moose caribou 
and then obviously mule deer and whitetail in the in the fall. So yeah. it's, and then we're trying to get it. We're actually trying to get before that maybe a, a cat hunt somewhere in BC. Oh yeah, that's right. A cougar. We haven't done any of that before. Like yeah. a, so any kind of that's cat awesome. hunt might maybe before even the odd ad or or the spring yeah. turkey stuff. But. All right. Well, thanks for all the time. Let's stay in touch and uh, maybe get up sometime. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds do a longer good. podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I got thanks, your info guys. there. So yeah. Right on. Right, Beauty. Cool. All right, so I'm here with Dennis and Joe from Initial Ascent. How you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? How are you? Good. Yeah, we got just a quick little time slot in here to, to lay something down, but um, just give me like a real quick backstory on Initial Ascent, just get a feel for what's going on. Yeah, so Dennis and I, we actually launched the company here okay. in 2018. So yeah, since so it was February, was it February 11th? Uh, 8th. February 8th, February 8th. 20, yeah, 2018. Yep. Okay. We launched the company, but we, we spent three years before that trying to figure out the frame and suspension that we wanted. Yeah. But kind of our backstory is two guys kind of met at church, through, oh, through nice. church, and both had a passion and desire. Dennis was probably doing more hunting than I was doing at the time. I was probably doing more backpacking. Okay. And yeah. just conversations led to, next thing you know, we're bear hunting together. Cool. And swapping stories and, hey, I like this about this gear and I like this and I like this about this pack. And yeah. that just evolved to us really just saying, hey, we feel like we could do something different here in the pack world. Nice. And um, we kind of toyed with it for, I don't know, we used to come to the show every year as our families together. Right. And we'd look at the gear and then finally we just said one year, let's do this. Let's do it. Yeah. Do it. So, Are you guys from Utah or from Idaho? Or somewhere Idaho. else? Idaho. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. Cool. So, yeah, no, you guys have like a really like kind of loyal following and a lot of the guys that work in the booth and stuff have just been guys you know for a long time. They're just kind of kind of like volunteering because they just really believe in what you guys are doing. Yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, we've got an amazing team around us. Yeah. Um, and these guys, you know, a lot of these guys have been with us kind of right from the beginning. Yeah. 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 So I got a chance to try on your frame. Um, I think Chris was helping me out, um, somebody, and um, he put the thing on me. He's like, all right, you know, how much do you think that is? And I was like, eh. 30, 35? And he pulled it off and handed it and I was like, oh, 65 pounds. And I couldn't believe, I was genuinely impressed by how that thing carries a load. So what makes y'all's frame different? Why is it able to do that? That's a great question. I, and, and and that's what took us three years to come up with, yeah. um, just tweaks. And I, I think by the time we released it, we were on our 14th or 15th iteration. Wow. Um, not all major changes, but uh, there was, you know, we had to get the angles just right. We had to get the carbon fiber um, pointed in the right direction in certain areas. We had to stiffen it in certain right. areas. So, you know, the one thing about our, our frame is that it's it's rigid, you know, up top um, or as, as you look at the vertical, but it still moves with you. Um, so it flexes in the right point and that sort of thing. Nice. And so, and, and there's a lifetime warranty on our frame. And it was one of those deals where it was like you have a cookie and you didn't know the recipe. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's what we did. We worked with three engineering firms. Okay. And um, we're able to come up with uh, what we've got today. And so it's kind of a solid piece of carbon fiber, right? So there's actually, I mean, there's a lot of different materials that go into it. Okay. It's yep. a layering system, to Dennis's point. It's like a layered cake. Okay. Um, there's over 14 layers in it. Oh, wow. You know, so there's a lot of different technology that goes into it. And the reality is, had we tried to do this two or three years before, some of the materials didn't exist. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, it is truly... It's cutting edge stuff. Yeah, how yeah. fast the technology has evolved. 
so that point in time is just you know things lined up perfectly yeah for us to have had the opportunity to go create something really never been done before yeah. yeah and one thing that like you know might seem like a minor thing but i noticed it's got like a like integrated like it's like a rifle sling kind of thing isn't it which actually is super nice because i mean that's super annoying when you have your rifle and yeah. it's just like falling yeah so you, you actually can put your rifle sling on that thing or? yeah and we when we came up with with that um Joe would not let it rest until we got that right because he thought that was a game changer. It is. It is. And and I tell you what, it's been every bit of that. I'm glad we spent about four different iterations trying to get that particular thing right. And as as you probably were told when you were trying it on, um, we've got guys uh, that, including myself, that are actually hanging quarters up there on those on those limbs. And the beautiful thing about it is just all physics because it gets that weight as close to your center yeah. of gravity as, as you're going to have. Yeah. Um, and there's just no other systems that can do that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so we can carry an extreme amount of weight very comfortably. I mean, guys can walk straight up and down with 180 pounds on. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I saw a dude from uh, Alpine Carnivore yesterday. Had, right. With, he had like 180 pounds on him, I think. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, um, I was genuinely impressed. I thought, like I said, that was 30 pounds and it was 65. So, um, and so what, like what size packs do you offer now? So we have different size. I mean, we range up from a day pack system that runs about 1800 cubic inches all the way up to our 6,000, which that pack system is probably closer to 67, 6,800 cubic uh-huh. inches. And then we've got a 4,000, which is closer to about 4,600. Cool. And then our 2K, which is about 25. So I mean, we've got the full range depending yeah. on what you're going after. Yeah. If you need to go to Alaska for 10 days, we've got you covered. Yeah. Um, if you're day hunting from your truck, you know we've got we've got options yeah. for that as well. Yeah. And it's a modular system, so one frame and suspension and swap swaps all the you can swap all the bags nice. out. Yeah. So and, and in seconds too. That's really mm-hmm. nice. Anything cool, exciting come down the lines you can talk about now, or is it all secret stuff, or? Um, we will continue to stay busy. Okay, cool. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, I had to ask, I had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, well, I appreciate you giving me a rundown of it, and then, um, I'd love to do maybe jump on, like, a longer podcast when we get back home, you know, and talk awesome. more in-depth Yeah, it'd be good stuff. to get to know you, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank appreciate you. you, guys. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so I'm here with Mark Livesey, yeah. the professor. <laughs> well, the Elpros call me now the Topo Terror. The Topo, Topo Terror, Topo Terrorist. <laughs> What's going on, man? Man, at the show, this place is packed. It's I know, dude. It's wild today. The Peaks, we're all, I'm over at the Peaks booth right next to Initial Sin here. And it's kind of nuts over there. I'm kind of glad you said podcast now because it was it's get getting you away wild. Little bit, yeah. yeah. Dude, there's a lot of people here. Lots of stuff going on. Um, so, yeah, just tell folks that might not be familiar in my audience what, yeah. what's your deal, what's your story. What's... So, Mark Levesay, yeah, from Missouri originally. I started out kind of in my 20s. I've been coming out west for about 27 years, I guess. And then finally my wife just said, we're done. You gotta get away from our business. We own our own businesses. And you're working too much. You're we got, you're not getting to do what you like to do. So she's the one that said, we're moving west. Nice. And uh, so we I literally, she goes, you got one year to get everything in order. We're leaving on March 18th. And we left on March 18th. Nice. We sold everything we own. We got a 26-foot box truck, put my hunting stuff in it, a few beds, <laughs> sold everything else, drove to Montana, never been in the state before, and 
It's the best city I've ever made. Zulu, Montana. What part of Montana? Zulu, Montana. Now. Okay. So I'm in the elk hunting mecca of the world. I'm going to be out there this spring bear hunting yeah. that area. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So we live in Montana now. So a little background. Like I said, I come from Missouri, but I would try to hunt at least two states a year from Missouri. So I'd make two or three trips a year. But now the past seven years I've been in Montana, you know, I, I hunt three to four states a year. Last year I chased elk for about 68, 65 days. Um, I spent about half that time solo. And so- You like hunting solo? I, I do, but now I'm starting to, now in my younger days, I was solo, solo. Yeah. And, uh, but now I'm enjoying. Yeah, it's you know, fun to share it with somebody, yeah. And I've kind of hooked up more with, with Ryan Lampers and Brian yeah. Call. So we're doing more hunts together. We're filming. I'm, this is my first kind of thing in being filmed while I'm hunting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's been fun. But it's, dude, it ain't easy. Yeah, yeah. As you know, it's a whole I mean, new element. I mean, I had so many problems on this bear hunt. Like, I couldn't shoot when I wanted to. Brian wasn't ready. Yeah. The cameras weren't on. My lapel, my nothing. I'm like, dude, he's, I need to kill him right now. <laughs> yeah. And so it adds a whole new complexity. For sure. And you're hauling all your All the gear. stuff. And that's where I come in, is I have llamas, you know, too. Okay. You own your own llamas? And so, yeah, I have about, um, I guess, I'm, by this year, I should have close to 30 llamas. Wow. And uh, so... Uh, Are you able to, like, kind of run them all year, keep them in shape and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I rent them. Okay, cool, summer. cool. So, a lot of people rent llamas for me and go on family trips. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it allows you to take your kids, and so I do a lot of rentals in the summer, and that helps me get my llamas in shape. Yeah. And then I rent some during hunting. But I don't have yet the, the, the volume of male packers. But in the next few years, I'll do more, cool. more you know, cool. in the season. Yeah. So I moved to Montana, got llamas, started breeding llamas, started hunting like an a, a, a freak. <laughs> and uh, I'm loving every second of it. Yeah. So a couple years ago, um, I decided that I was kind of surprised when I got out here how many dudes and, and gals that didn't really use Google Earth at its full potential. Didn't really understand where elk want to live. Didn't really understand what they eat in the fall. Didn't really understand what they do when the pressure's on, what they do when predation's on, what slopes they prefer, what what drainages are, are. And I thought everybody knew it. And so I'm like, man. So remember, coming from Missouri, hunting multiple states, I'm a wanderer, I'm yeah. an adventurer, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't go to the same places twice. Everybody's like, Mark, you guys killed a a big bull or this, your buddy or whatever killed a big bull and I'm like yeah I know well next year man there's gonna, I said well I'm not going there <laughs> you and like seeing new land well why would you not I yeah. said because I'm 56 years old I got a bucket list <laughs> yeah dude so anyway developing new it's spots more exciting when you're seeing new stuff the whole time anyway yeah I like it yeah but not but honestly that's not probably the best tactic right but... to kill bulls every single year but what I'm saying is all I do is hunt multiple states that I can't can't put boots on the ground. Right. All new areas. So all I'm doing year round, for years, for 20 years, all I've been doing is developing new hunting spots. So I've learned a few things. I'm not saying that I'm a giant killer. I'm not saying that, but I kill a lot of elk, I have a good percentage, yeah. and I find them. like pretty regularly nice so i do i decided i want to develop this cult, you know something yeah started out on youtube messing around and then i said you know what i need to make it more of a course yeah so i bought it like an educational platform cool started building it i didn't know if anybody was going to take it yeah and then it took me about a year and a half to build it 
and it's been open for two years now, and I'm really excited about it now. Yeah. I would have never shared what I'm sharing now in my 30s. Yeah. Never. <laughs> but now I'm like, I got to give back to the sport. Guys, as hunters, yeah. we have to help each other. Right. I'm not telling people, I'm not giving spots. I'm, sure. I'm giving you some tools to help you develop your own spots. Right. So anyway, that was a long-winded, but that's how we're No, here. that's cool, man. So it's a, it's a tool for guys like, you know, for me, I'm coming from Virginia. Yeah. You know, for example, planning this, this bear hunt and a bunch of hunts this year. I can't go out to Montana for a scouting trip. Um, well, you, you want to spend your time hunting. Right. You could probably make a trip, but you're going to have to sacrifice your days. Right. And it's going to cost you money, whatever. Sure. But we also want to increase our odds, right? Yeah. You don't want to, like, we, I don't know how much time you got, but we're, most of us, well, in the seasons, they're only a finite amount of time. Yeah. And when you hit the ground, guys, when the boots hit the ground, you want to be as efficient and as effective and as organized and strategical and work through a hunt plan as you can. For sure. If you're out there just shotgunning it, yeah. um, you're going to be a 10% elk hunter. I always say it's all done. Guys, odds are about 10% and actually less than that. Yeah. For non for, for out-of-staters, DIY, from the east, you're way less than 10%. Yeah. So if you want to be a 10% elk hunter, then keep acting like a 10% elk hunter. Yeah. But if you want to be a 50, 75% elk hunter, then start acting like one. And the guys that are at that level, they think about it yeah. a, a lot. I don't want to say obsess, but they plan, they yeah. strategize. They're on Google Earth. They're on all the tools. They're not using one tool. They're using multiple oh, tools. Yeah. They're not one dimensional. They're not looking at one feature over another. They're combining features. They're writing hunt plans, writing them. They've got primary areas, backup areas, secondary backup areas, yeah. third, third backup areas. They know how long it's gonna take them to drive to point A, get to point B. They know how long it's gonna take them to pack into camp one, camp two. You guys, so they don't just go out there yeah. and just it work itself out. Right. The guys that I know that kill every freaking year, and I'm not saying kill big elk, I'm talking just kill elk. Have success. Consistently, year after year. Yeah. Are the guys that adopt a lot of the strategies that I'm putting that I'm teaching in this course. So not only strategies like that, but really how to maximize your technology. Yeah. Guys, there's so many things out there. Not just on X, right. not just Go Hunt, not just Gaia. All of them have their strengths and all of them have their weaknesses. So but Google Earth is still the king of these guys. Yeah, okay. And I can't believe how many guys have started drifting away from it because these apps have gotten better, okay? Right. But they don't have historical. But Google Earth is still kind of your bread and butter. Oh, it's number one. Okay. Because it's and so it's not, that's not that user friendly. Not out of the box. Okay. Okay. And so you're going to show people that's how to really get the most out of it. When you download Google Earth, all you got is aerial photo views. Yeah. Now they're the best aerial photos. They're the highest quality. They're the most recent. And you've got historical. That's yeah. a key to be able to click back through a timeline and look at year after year after year to kind of see how's that fire progressed? How's that logging? How grown up is that logging area? When did they log it? You click back through till it's not logged. Yeah. And then you say, oh, about 2012. So you start saying, ooh, 2012, that's 10 years ago. Those, those that, that regrowth is gonna, that reprod's gonna be pretty high yeah. and pretty dang thick. Yeah. So maybe that's off the table. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right, right. You can't do that with any other tool. Yeah. So you're, using, you're combining all the tools and kind of going in depth into each right. one. Right. And so what people don't really understand is that there's so many third party 
data sets uh, that are available, right? I had no idea. So yeah, no, not many people know. So let me just run through a list. You can download all motor vehicle use maps in a KML, put them in Google Earth. Not many people know that. You can add a topo layer for the entire United States. Wow. Pure topographic. All the fires back to 1980. We're recording something. Just, we're recording something. All the fires since 1980, okay? The apps only go back to like 2002. Yeah. Because it gets clustery, I get it. Cattle, everybody's like in Colorado, like where are That's the cattle, where are they not? It's all available. Wow. Um, the hunting districts, you know, the borders, it's all available. The, um, what else is there? Oh, snow, where the current snow is, like oh, wow. right now, how deep the snow is. This is the snow, you're going bear hunting? Yeah. Dude, you gotta know where that snow line is. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna know from Virginia. Right. But with that tool, it's money. Awesome. Money. You're going to drive to Trail 8A, right? Can I drive there? Right. Is there snow there? Uh, how deep is the snow? Is the snow deep? Is it not? You can tell now. Yeah. Most guys don't even know it exists in Google Earth. It's available. Historically, looking at... So, so they have accurate, like, up-to-date snow level. So here's the problem. Real time is not going to help you, right? Because... Now, right before you go, you can look. Right. But let's say while you're planning right now, you're See, like, historically when it melts off. Then they got, you go, it's got historic. What I do is I download five years of one day. Like if I'm gonna go on March 15th, I will go to this site that I show you in the course. I will download five years of snow level and I'll look. And I'll be like, okay, pretty much every year, for the most part, about 7,000 feet yeah. is where that snow line is on May 15th. That's, that's legit. So is that perfect? No. But it gives you some planning. You're right. And then right before you go, you check the current. That's cool. And kind man. of verify everything. Yeah, I can't wait to check this stuff Dude, that's out. that's money. Yeah. And Gaia, just for example. Well, you're saying it's not specific to elk either. No. Like you use it. Yeah, it's, right. it, it's not got anything to do with hunting. That's why nobody knows about it. Right. It's a snow research right. site. But I mean like your courses, I mean you can use it for a wide oh, variety yeah. of species. Guys, like. all the technology is the same. Yeah. All the layers in Google Earth are used for all species. Now, in the course we do focus on elk, but guys that want to use it for others, yes, but I am working on a, a really comprehensive bear one. Yeah. I'm working on a mule deer one, and, we're, and I've got some partners coming in on some of these, and I'm working on dehydrated meals, doing your own meals. Oh, that's nice. That's one of my other things. That's cool. That, I mean, I, I'm in the, I, I stayed in the tent over 100 days last year. Yeah. You can't eat, I'm, no disrespect. If you ate Mountain House for 100 days, I don't think you'd make it. <laughs> you probably would. The salt right. content, yeah. that yeah. The preserve it. Just blow up. But if you're eating Mountain House for seven days, well, there's Heather, with Heather's yeah. Choice right behind you. Yep, there she is. I mean, you got to eat food of that level. Right. Okay? But when you're hunting 100 days, I love Heather Choice's food. I can't really afford a hundred days of her food. Uh, yeah, right? it adds up. Seven, no you gotta, problem. You gotta supplement with homemade So, stuff. great product. If you're only going for seven, ten days, don't do your own food. Yeah. But if you're going for, start doing a hundred yeah. days. And you know exactly what you like, you can tweak it. So it sounds like there's a ton of really cool resources in your courses. I'm looking forward to checking them out. I do want to ask you one bear specific question. That, the shoot. Selfish question. It's almost, it's bear season almost. Yeah, okay. So. We got a bear skull here. And yeah. that's a dang nice bear skull. It is, yeah, it's, uh, I think, Dennis from Initial Scent Shop. That's out. a legit bear. Um, so, I'm you know I'm I'm just pretty new to Western bear hunting, and um, I'm looking at topo maps and stuff like that, looking where I'm gonna go. 
And you know, normally you're gonna want to stay up high and be glassing for you know deer and elk and stuff like that. But I was thinking, like, is is it kind of the opposite for bear? You kind of want to stay down and glass up. Both or both. Okay. So I don't usually share this, but I'm gonna share something on this podcast. <laughs> and I know I sound like a broken record, but in Google Earth, there's a tool. You know what? I'm not even gonna tell you the name of the tool. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> To give you a little tangible. It's in the course. It's in the course. Okay. There's a tool in Google Earth that not hardly anybody knows about because it's not in the menu. You can't select it from the menu. There's another way you have to select it. But you go to a point, okay, and you say drop a waypoint. You say you go into the settings on that waypoint, you say change the rep you make it it's called relative to the ground, and you make it 2.2 meters from the ground. So six foot right yeah. so that's your standing height right right so basically you're elevating that waypoint six feet off the ground uh -huh. and then the tool when you activate the tool it shows you in highlighted color what you can see from that point exactly no way it shades the colors that's of insane. the slope it shades the colors of the slope to what you so what can you think about okay now what does that mean you start moving that waypoint around until you can see the most Dude, and you start thinking like glassing from the bottom is difficult yeah. the only way you can glass really effectively from the bottom looking up is if the slope is steep enough right so when you're looking at topo map you're like is it or isn't it yeah how do you know turn the tool on that's cool if it's shaded you can see it uh, if it's that's, not that's legit. you can't because it's a, what it is it's a line of sight tool that's cool. so i did some research and i think the reason that tool got in there originally is i'm guessing guys don't somebody's going to call me out on this but i'm guessing that about the time when google earth came out is when they were putting up cell towers like crazy and it was designed for line of sight like if we put a tower here right and it was this high yeah what is the what is the line of sight for the signal yeah so they can move the tower around at different peaks to get That's the sick. most right That's so much but like, now we can use that. that same tool yeah which is so underrated so underused yeah. you can see how effective a glassing spot will be and i can't tell you one little move and bam you can see the whole thing wow and what really helps is now you everybody's like well when i climb up there i'm going to know if i move well how about you know before you even climb up there yeah and waste all 3, that time energy climb, yeah and you climb up there and you can't see what you thought you could see yeah. so good pro tip <laughs> but like you're not necessarily running ridges are you i mean you said you do both for yeah. bear Just here's depends. the deal i'm gonna give you another bear tip you're trying to pick my brain on the bears <laughs> guys on the bears now again it's like elk it's like my course can you find bears down in the bottom next to the rivers in the spring yes they love down there in that riptarian they love it are they going to be in the snow yes will they be right on the snow line yes will they be somewhere in between yes <laughs> okay and that sounds like mark you just they're everywhere right no they are they can be just like elk they can be everywhere but guys right. i play the odds right where are they and, the most in my years and my success and my theory on this is 750 feet below the snow to maybe a thousand feet in elevation you know elevation right. change is about the amount of time like a week to 10 days for the bulbs and the forbs and the flowers to punch through not necessarily the green grass yet right 
And there, but there will be green. It's at the borderline of the green zone, right? Them bears love those forbs. Yeah. So I concentrate most of my glassing seven or feet below the snow. I'm like, okay, well that makes sense, but how in the hell do I do that if I live in Virginia? Right. So think about what we just said. Go back to your tools we've you learned in your course. Our topo layers, yeah. right? Now we've got the snow, snow. level and now so now the snow level and is, you can see where you can see from it. That's right. <laughs> All right, you're putting it together. But how do you know where the snow line is when you get out there? So you know it when you're at home and you got in this big basin, how do you know it where it's at? What I do is I trace a path in Google Earth where the snow line is or where I think it's going to be when I verify it before I drive out. So when I get to the trailhead, I'm looking at the map, I can see my line. I know, even though it may be out of sight, I know where it's at. So now I know where that 750 is. Yeah. Then I test the glassing spots. What spot can I see the most? 750 feet below the snow. Dang. And dude, it's yeah. a game changer. This whole thing's on that game. What I just said, guys, I hope you're paying attention because what I just said just killed a lot of bears. <laughs> yeah. I'm not joking. And that's just a little bit of your course. Tiny, so tiny. Man. I can't wait to check it out, man. Yeah. Um, it sounds really cool. Anything else? Anything else in the works or anything cool or just. It, I mean. You got any other adventures planned this year besides oh, yeah. bear season? So I've got. What am I doing this year? I'm hunting. <laughs> I got in line with everybody else. And I was fortunate enough to get my Idaho tags. I have Idaho elk and deer. Nice. I have Montana, obviously elk and deer. I live in Montana. And then I have, I'm in the draw. I got about a 30% chance of getting a Wyoming tag. Okay. I just put in my New Mexico, just put in my Arizona. Nice. I'm getting close to drawing Arizona. So I probably will do Utah over the counter, okay. mass population hunt. Yeah. Considering Colorado, so I'm gonna probably, I'll probably be four states, four tags. Cool. Uh, that's kind of what I like. Cool, man. Bear season though, I'm going for four bears this year. My goal is four bears. Okay. Wyoming, two Montana, I mean two Idaho, one Montana is okay. my goal. Wyoming's still on the list. They got, they've got a quota thing that I still got to think about. Like, yeah. they close the season when it gets a certain number. Right. And it I like to hunt right in the, the time of year I like to hunt. Not the end of the season, but three quarters of the way through. So that's, oh, that's another thing. So guys, I know it's exciting to go bear hunting. Being there on opening day may not be the best idea. I've heard. And here's why. The bear population is big, guys, but it's not near as big as elk and mule deer, right? And the bear success rates are good, but they're not near the levels even of the bear and elk, right? They're low. So do you really want to hunt half of the bears? Right. If you go out early, yes, there's going to be bears out, but it's so odds game. Up. You're looking for 50% of already a low population, right? Yeah. Now, some of the bigger bears do come out early, okay? Right. But they're still out later. Yeah. So, might as well go in there. I prefer out. to cut, and the snow lines have receded a little more. It's a little easier to manage driving the roads. Yeah. And sometimes there's less people because they've all kind of shot their wad early. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I just find that that March, well, different states, but that May 15th ish to June 50 is kind of that Amazing magic time. month. Cool. Cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to jumping into the course and uh, maybe have you back on the podcast later for a longer some, longer format. Details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I really hate talking about it, as you can tell. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for yeah. having me, Hunter. Thanks, Pleasure. man. Pleasure. Appreciate you. Okay. All right.